this past summer, my wife Terry and I had an opportunity to visit some good friends of ours who live out west. And one of the things that we got to do while we were out there was this incredible 17-mile bicycle trek through the mountains of Montana. Now, before you get the idea that we were riding up and down hills on our bikes, the place we rode was an incredible um, rails-to-trails path where they had taken an old railroad bed and turned it into this really cool bike ride. And in this 17-mile stretch, there were seven railroad trestles that we got to ride across. And they, there's this incredible, beautiful scenery over these deep valleys, and it was an incredible experience. But this same trail also had 10 tunnels that were cut directly through mountains. And while many of those tunnels were fairly short, maybe a couple of hundred yards or or maybe up to a quarter of a mile, most of them were pretty short and you could see the entrance behind you and the exit ahead of you while you rode through that tunnel. But there was this one tunnel that was three and a half miles long. And I don't know if you've ever been in a tunnel that long, but it is a dark and scary place because as you ride into the tunnel, after you've gone about a quarter mile, you can no longer see the entrance. You can't see the light from where you came in and you can't see the light from where you're going to go out. And so you just have to keep pedaling. You just have to keep focusing. The only light you have is the little uh, six-foot circle of light from your headlamp that just shines right in front of where your tires are. And you know on either side of the path are these trenches, two or three feet deep trenches that help get the water out of the tunnel. So you just, you got to know you got to stay right in the middle of the path. And it's very, very scary. And even when you can see the light at the end of the tunnel and you think you're almost out of the tunnel, you find out that 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 opening is, is still a mile away. And so you just have to keep pedaling. You just have to keep going to get through it. You know, I think in some ways that that bike trail is sort of a metaphor for our lives. Yes, we have these beautiful moments, these bright, shiny, shiny days, these beautiful views, but we also have these dark tunnels that we have to go through. Some of them are short, some of them are long, but tunnels are always a part of our lives. You know, for this last month as a church, as a community, as a nation, even as a world, we've been going through the tunnel of this pandemic together. And even though we can start to see a little light at the end of the tunnel and we're starting to see how we're going to get out of this and get beyond this, the reality is we're still in the tunnel. But we also know that even when we get out of this tunnel, it's not going to be the end of tunnels. We're, we're all going to have tunnels in our lives. Difficult situations, difficult circumstances, difficult things we may have to go through. In fact, for, for some of you today, you're, you're not only dealing with the tunnel of this pandemic, you're dealing with your own individual tunnel experiences in your life. You're, you're riding in a tunnel 
within this tunnel. You know, the world may have come to a stop, but your life hasn't stopped. Some of you have, are still getting you know, bad news from the doctor about the biopsy. Some of you are still dealing with the same financial and relational pressures and problems that you had before all this started. And you know they're going to still be there on the other side of that. And so I, I think the question for us to wrestle with this morning is, how do you keep going? How do you get through whatever it is you're going through. And so today, as we begin this tunnel series, I I want us to kick this thing off by looking at what I think may be one of the best examples of somebody who not only got through the tunnels in their life, but was actually able to thrive, to have an incredible life in spite of and even in the tunnels that they had to go through. The person I'm talking about is the Apostle Paul. Those of us who are familiar with the New Testament, we we see Paul as this amazing rock star of the faith. This guy who had an incredible, productive, effective life. I mean, this is the guy who almost single-handedly planted dozens and dozens of churches all across the continent of Asia. And then in his spare time, he wrote the majority of the New Testament. And yet, if you look at the circumstances of Paul's life, it's a steady state of tunnel after tunnel after tunnel. In fact, uh, I want you to just listen to this little autobiography that Paul writes in 2 Corinthians about his life. He says, I have worked harder, been put in jail more often, been whipped so many times that I can't even remember how many. I have faced death day after day after day. Five different times the Jews gave me 39 lashes. That's one short of death. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. And by the way, that's talking about having rocks thrown at you, not the other kind of stone. Three other times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift on the sea. I have traveled many weary miles. I have faced danger from flooded rivers and from robbers. I have faced dangers from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I've faced dangers in the cities in the deserts and on the stormy seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be Christians, but are not. Probably many of us can identify with that. And then listen to what he says. He says, I have lived with weariness and pain and sleepless nights. Often I have been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food. Often I've shivered with cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And then besides all of this, I have the daily burden of how the churches are getting along. Now I want you to understand, when Paul's writing this, he's not having a pity party. He doesn't write these words so that we'll feel sorry for him. He writes these words to encourage us, to remind us that with Jesus, we can not only get through the tunnels that we're going through, 
but we can thrive. We can make a difference. We can have fulfilled, abundant life even in the tunnels. In fact, listen to what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter four. He says, we, we have troubles all around us, but we are not defeated. We, we don't know what to do, but we don't give up the hope of living. We are persecuted, but God does not leave us. We are hurt sometimes, but we are not destroyed. See, Paul says we can get through what we're going through. But the question is how? How do you get through the tunnel in your life? You may not go through the kinds of things that Paul went through, but you're going through something in your life. And the three things that we learned from Paul that got him through his tunnels are the same three things that can help us get through these tunnels in our life. And that's what I want to look at today quickly. Three things that can help you get through your tunnel. Number one, to express your emotions to God. To express your emotions to God. You know, one of the side effects of going through tunnels are the negative emotions that we feel. Fear, anger, guilt, shame, bitterness, resentment. These, these negative emotions bubble up in the tunnels of life. And the question is, what do you do with those emotions? Most of us try to deal with negative emotions in one of two ways. Either imploding or exploding. Some of us, about half of us, are imploders. And what I mean by that is that we stuff down the negative emotions. We swallow and we push them down and, and hoping they'll just go away. We, we pretend on the outside that everything is fine, but inside we have all these emotions bubbling up and we, we implode them. And it may seem like a good idea, but eventually there's only so much room. Eventually, those negative emotions are going to come out sideways in our lives. Now, some of us, on the other hand, are exploders. When we feel negative emotions, we don't hold on to them. We just vomit them right out. We just vent whatever it is we're feeling, usually on the people around us. And while that may make us feel better in the short term, long term, it often damages the relationships in our lives. But what we learn from Paul about our negative emotions is that there's a third option. There's a third thing we can do with these emotions in our lives. And that is to express them to God. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12. He says, a painful physical problem was given to me. Paul had some kind of painful physical issue. He, he called it the thorn in his flesh and it, it was always there. He had this painful physical problem and notice what he does with how this painful problem makes him feel. He says, I beg the Lord three times to take this problem away from me. He's expressing how he feels to God and God says to him, my grace is enough for you. Look, Paul is going through this tunnel of this painful thorn in his flesh, and he's not just sitting there grinning and bearing it. 
He's not just saying, you know, thank you, God, may I have another. He's expressing it to the one who can fix it. Or at least the one who can fix him if he chooses not to change the circumstances. We can do that with our negative emotions as well. You know, another great example of this from the Bible is another hero of the faith from the Old Testament, David. King David, the young shepherd boy who became the greatest king that ever lived. And and David is one of the best examples of expressing emotion to God. I mean, just read through the book of Psalms. These prayers and these songs that David pours out of his heart. Whatever David is feeling, good or bad, he's letting God know about it. In fact, sometimes you read some of David's prayers and you're like, David, be careful. You can't talk to God like that. You know, you're going to get struck by lightning. But yet, God says, this is a man after my own heart. Why? Because that's what God wants from us, to express what we're feeling to him. Not to stuff it down, not to vent it on the people around us, but to pour out our hearts to him. Look at what David writes in Psalm 62, 8. He says, pour out your heart to him, to God. Why? For God is our refuge. See, most of us, we we read that and we think about God being our refuge and we think of that just in the physical sense that, that God is a physical refuge, that he will keep us safe from the problems and struggles and pain of life. And yes, God is a physical refuge in our life. But what David understood is that more importantly, God is a refuge for our heart. God is a safe place for us to take our heart and the emotions and the things that we feel to him. I know for some of you, if you're honest, this idea of really telling God how you feel makes you very uncomfortable because the way you feel about what you're going through is anger at God. Because either you feel like he caused this tunnel in your life or or at the very least, he allowed you to go through this tunnel and you're angry with God and, and you're afraid to express that. But God wants you to express that. God is big enough to handle your anger with him. He wants you, like David, to pour out your heart to him. Because that's what creates the intimate relationship that he desires with every one of us. I mean, think about your life. Do you really want to have somebody in your life you know they're angry at you? And people have told you they're mad at you, but when you sit down and talk with them, they're like, no, we're fine. No problem. No, you don't want that kind of phoniness. Neither does God. And besides, God is God. Do you really think he doesn't know how you feel? Do you think he doesn't know that you're angry with him? Whatever emotions you're feeling today, you need to express those to God. So so let me just ask you two questions. Right now, in whatever tunnel experience you're having in life, what negative emotion are you struggling with right now? Anger, bitterness, 
guilt, shame, whatever negative emotion you're feeling, can you name it? Can you be honest with yourself about it? And then secondly, my question is, what are you gonna do with it? You're gonna keep stuffing it down until you're like a shaken can of Coke and the wrong person pulls the tab and you're gonna spew all over them? Are you gonna keep just allowing those emotions to just come out of you and hurt the people around you who really had nothing to do with it? Are you gonna take those emotions to the one who can fix the problem and more importantly, the one who can fix you in the middle of your tunnel? If you wanna get through what you're going through, you gotta express your emotions to God. The second thing we see in Paul's life about getting through what you're going through is that you've got to maintain healthy, supportive relationships. You you can't eliminate the tunnel experiences from your life, but you don't have to go through those tunnels alone. You know, it's so interesting to me that our natural instinct when we're going through a difficult tunnel is to isolate to withdraw from other people, to build up walls. And while that may feel like the natural and appropriate thing to do when you're going through a tunnel, it's actually one of the worst things you can do. Because when you do that, you separate yourself from one of the best resources God has given you to get through the tunnels. And that is the people he's placed in your life. Paul understood that. You know, Paul walked through all these tunnels, but he never went through them alone. He always had a small group of people around him. He was doing life in authentic relationships with others. And while over the course of his life, the the people in his group changed just like they do in the season of your life, but he never went through life alone. That's why he would write these words of encouragement to us in Galatians chapter six. He would say, share each other's troubles and problems. And so obey the Lord's command. And then notice what he says. If anyone thinks he is too great to stoop to this, he is fooling himself. If you think you can get through what you're going through on your own, you're fooling yourself. You may get through this tunnel, but the next tunnel may be way bigger than what you can get through. Listen, we were created by God to need each other. That's how life on this earth is supposed to work. Better together is not just a slogan we wear on our t-shirts at Cedar Creek when we go out and serve people in the community. Better together is an essential truth of how life should work. This past year, Dan and Brenda, a couple in our church, went on the trip of a lifetime. They went to Jamaica to celebrate a birthday and everything was going well until one morning Dan woke up with a severe headache. And he knew from his past uh, medical experience that this didn't need to be ignored. And sure enough, they went to a hospital in Jamaica and they discovered that he had a, a bleed in his brain. He was in the process of having a stroke and they were able to get him on a life flight and get him back here to a hospital. And it would begin for them a long, difficult journey 
through the tunnel in their life. And I've asked them to share with you how having healthy, supportive relationships in their lives helped them get through what they were going through. They're living his example, what he's put in their hearts to do what he would do to care for those who are in need, to care for those who are suffering. Uh, it just all came to light to be a part of of that loving kindness, so unconditional that uh, it's just, um, just, I guess it's changed me also to to be a part and to receive what I've received in this time from uh, my from the home group. It's just um, an answer to prayer. And we have been so, so blessed by the love and prayers from the entire church. And I think that is what have me back on my feet right now, knowing that people have shown the love to us that we needed in the time of need. Also the, uh, the prayers that they have set up. And I wanna thank the church for loving us and showing us the compassion. I am just so grateful and so thankful for our home group members and the other members in the church who have come to our assistance. Uh, it's just been remarkable. Uh, the, the food, the calls, the prayers, the visits, and they continue to this day. And so we're just so blessed to have had um, the opportunity to be in the home group. Home group. And I'm just, just so grateful, grateful to God for who he is and what he does and how he supported us through our home group and the Cedar Creek Church during these times. And uh, it, it hasn't ended. The support is still there and we know it's gonna be going forward and um, we want to be as helpful to others as they've been to us um, during this time. I just want Cedar Creek to know and the people who are looking at this video to know that we, we can't make this journey by ourselves. It's too hard. We need the love and support of one another because we are better together than we are by ourselves. That's why the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.11 to encourage each other and give each other strength, just as you are doing now. You know, th this verse makes two assumptions. One is that having people in your life strengthens you. It gives you the strength you need. But it also makes a second assumption, and that is that you're building that kind of relationship now. You know, Dan and Brenda had spent two years connecting relationally with their home group for, before this tunnel started. And my encouragement to you is, is don't wait till the next tunnel comes along to realize how much you need other people. I mean, if this global pandemic has shown us anything, it's the, the critical importance of healthy, supportive relationships. Listen, if you don't have that, or if the majority of the people in your life 
are draining you and not strengthening you, if the majority of your relationships are discouraging you, not encouraging you, if too many people in your life are causing the tunnels in your life, then you may want to reevaluate where you are investing your relational energy and capital because you're going to need healthy, supportive relationships throughout your life. In fact, I would say there's never been a better or more important time to have these kind of relationships. And our home groups here at Cedar Creek Church are are a critical place of where that happens. And it's not too late. You can get connected right now. We want to help you do that. In fact, uh, our campus pastors are posting right now on whatever platform you're watching a link where you can uh, get connected, reach out, click on that, give us the information, allow us to help you connect and begin to develop some healthy, supportive relationships that can get you through whatever tunnels you're going to go through in your life. Hey, to get through what we're going through, we've got to be willing to express our emotions to God. We got to be willing to develop and maintain healthy, supportive relationships. And then finally, number three, we have to rest in God's love. To get through what you're going through, you've got to rest in God's love. Now, I realize when I say that, it just comes off as an oversimplified Christian cliche. Oh, you're in a tunnel, just let go and let God, just trust in Him. And it sounds so... I don't know, flippant and and over-spiritualized, but let me tell you this. My experience in life and walking with others through their life have taught me this one thing. Knowing and trusting in God's love is the foundation of getting through what you're going through. Why? Because the more you know how much God really loves you, the more you truly believe that God loves you, cares for you, has a plan and a purpose, the more that becomes a part of the core of who you are, the more it changes how you react and respond to the circumstances of your life. So I noticed this prayer that, that Paul offers for us, Ephesians 3.17. He says, and I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. You know, when my kids were little, they used to love to go to this park in our neighborhood and there were these swings that were there. And when Terry and I would push them on their swings, they they would laugh and it didn't matter how high we pushed them, they were completely comfortable, they were having fun as long as mom and dad were pushing them because they knew that we loved them. But you let somebody else come along to try to push them or, or worse, one of their older brothers tried to push them and it was a total different experience. They were holding on, no, not so high because they didn't trust the love of the one who was pushing their swing. And so here's my question for you today. Who's pushing your swing? Are you still trying to push your own swing? 
Are you allowing the circumstances going on around you to push your swing? Or are you allowing the God who loves you to be the one who pushes your swing? You know, we've talked about a lot of practical things today. Practical help to get through what you're going through. But I want you to understand, apart from God's love, this stuff doesn't work. Apart from God's love, this is just more self-help hoo-ha. God's love is the glue that holds all of these things together. And God's love is the one thing that can truly get you through what you're going through. And so I want to close today with an invitation to you. It's not my invitation. It's an invitation from Jesus. Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And if you'll do that, notice what he says, you will find rest for your souls. That's how you get through what you're going through. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this reminder today, for these great promises and these practical principles that we can begin to build into our lives to get through the tunnels that we're going through. Father, I I pray for each person watching this today, wherever they are, whatever difficulties and struggles they're going through, whatever pain they're dealing with day in and day out. Oh God, I pray that they would feel your love, that they would know today that even in the darkest middle of the tunnel, that they are not alone, that you are with us and that you are giving us everything we need to keep moving forward. So God, would you help us trust in your love more so that we can not only survive these tunnel experiences, but so that we can thrive and we can continue to be the light of your hope to the people in the tunnels around us today. In Jesus' name, amen.